0: Galatians 2, verse 6, it says, But from those who seemed to be something, whatever they were, makes no difference to me. Then it goes on to say, God shows personal favoritism to no man. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seemed to be something, added nothing to me. Paul uh, right here had gone to this group of people and they were at the council of the church. These were leaders in the church. And it's interesting what he said about these leaders. And we're talking people like James, the brother of the Lord. We're talking about Peter who walked with Jesus, who attempted to walk on water with Jesus. These are people who the Bible themselves calls pillars in the church and he makes this interesting statement when he went to them he said this he said I didn't get anything from them wow that would be interesting and he said this right there in the middle he said God shows personal favoritism to no man to nobody well who is he talking about here because you know Sometimes people come to people who are famous or well-known and think, well, and and sometimes it's been induced, this train of thought, uh, that that God favors them or likes them more than they like me. He'll do more for them than he'll do for me. He'll work more in their life than he will in my life. He'll do greater things for them because he's one of their favorites. And I've heard it myself. I was a uh, few months back out of town and so I was doing something and then I went to a different church and this minister got up and spoke and actually did really good job and then made this statement about, about a spouse and uh, how they, you know, met this person and They said this statement. They said, the reason why God did this for me and brought this person is because I'm one of his favorites. He loves me. Well, that's true. But he loves you as much as he loves anybody. And you're his favorite as I am. And anybody else in that aspect. And so it's an interesting statement, you know, because you think about it. Most people would think, Well, Paul was a favorite for sure. So God probably let him slide on some things and showed some favoritism toward him. And Well, this Peter too, so God must just have favorites because look at where they're at, look where I'm at. Look what they get. Look what I don't get. Look what happens to them and doesn't happen to me. Or look at that person over there in church and look at that person over there in church. And stuff, they get stuff I don't get. And, and somehow, maybe because we've said things that, that we've said, meaning me or whatever, I don't know, in the, in the past, and made it come across like God's got favorites. And He plays favorites. You know, a lot of people approach situations like that and think, well, the problem is not with me. It's, well, God has a favorite. God shows favoritism. It's got nothing to do with me. It's him. And he just, for some reason, he looked down upon them and uh, just does stuff. Now, understand this. Different people have different calls. Different people have different gifts. That's not what I'm talking about. Different people will be called to serve in different areas in the church, do different things in the public world and stuff like that. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where one is favored above another. And it's interesting because how many people come and go and could live their Christian life with this lurking in the back of their head? And if this lurks in the back of your head, it could possibly paralyze you it would it could it could paralyze your approach to God it could paralyze your approach to life because you could enter into something and think okay I'm going to give this a shot oh great they're giving it a shot too and they're giving it a shot and in your head you go oh I was doing good against them now they entered in They're one of God's favorites. There's just something that God likes about them more than he likes about me. And so isn't it true when we have favorites, we favor them? You guys are acting totally innocent. Isn't that the truth? If you, if you favor somebody, does that mean you give them less than, than somebody else that you don't favor as much? And so therefore, because of your favoritism, maybe you have some moral character, so you go, okay, well, I'll give them some, but I'm giving them more. And, and the Bible tells us that God doesn't have personal favoritism Toward anybody. That could hurt. He doesn't favor, give personal favoritism to you above me or Paul or anybody for that matter. And so we'll read it again. Let the cloud of rain pass over, get a few more drops. You know, Paul said, I planted. Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Maybe if we read it again, it'll let some more of that water of the word settle down and get down in you. So you think like this. But from those, Galatians 2.6, but from those who seemed to be something. Look at his commentary. <laughs> Whatever they were, it may know, makes no difference to me. Now, they were something in the church, but he said, but he said, listen, God shows personal favoritism to no man. The way Paul gets his prayers answered, or Peter gets his prayers answered, is the way you get them answered. And if Peter fails in getting an answer to prayer, it's not because God didn't favor him, it's because... God shows no personal favoritism. We all have to approach the same way. Remember a few weeks ago, we read a stretch or a couple of scriptures uh, where uh, the disciples were commissioned, commanded to do something. They were doing it. They went out, gave it a shot, and got no results in an area where they had been getting results. They came back to Jesus privately and said, Why couldn't we get this answer to prayer? And Jesus said, Well, you fell out of my favor. No, he didn't say that. They, it's because, and he gave principles that are principles to everybody whether we get or not. And sometimes if we have this opinion that, you know, God shows favor or, or I can do this and get away with it and because I'm one of God's favorites. You know, if you have that opinion about yourself, well, I can get away with it. I can do it and it won't won't matter. No favorites, no favoritism. Notice this in Romans 2. Actually won't turn there, turn to Acts 10. Acts 10 Acts the 10th chapter, and these things are good. There's more than these in here than than I'm sharing. In other words, about favoritism or God showing favoritism. In other words, he doesn't just do things because he favors one person over another. Whether I get or don't get is not determined because of the fact God favors me more or not. As a matter of fact, God could call me to go do something, but if I don't respond to him, his you know, he's not just gonna make it happen anyway. I still have to respond. You with me? If if I don't respond, then he's just not gonna do something favorably, you know, and go boom, because I favor you, and there it's done, and you're in it now. All of us have to obey, all of us have to approach the same way. No matter what we do for God, God is not showing personal favoritism to anybody. Now, if you hear that wrong, you might think God's up there and he's totally grumpy and he's got his arms crossed. He's like, I ain't favoring. No, 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 no to all of you because I show partiality to nobody. That's not what he's saying. No, because we know His love is totally extended toward everybody. And the Bible even tells us He doesn't forget our good works. And we know that our good works, when we obey Him, are laid up before us in heaven and we get rewards for them when we respond and obey. So it's not that He doesn't love those things, appreciate things. It just shows an underlying element of His character that He shows personal favoritism to nobody. To nobody. This is good. Somebody said, no, it's not good. Well, only if you thought he was playing personal favorite to you. Then you just got your bubble popped. But if you were thinking, great, I'm the guy on the outside looking in, then this helps because then you realize he shows personal favoritism to nobody it's the truth I mean we live in a world that's fallen and so in this world we see it all the time we live around it and you can adopt this kind of thinking because you know on the playground people favored their friends people favored this one. And so you can adopt that kind of thinking, well, that that people who are in charge favor other people. I had gifts, I had talents, I had abilities, but they, they favored them. No, God doesn't pick like that. He doesn't do things like that. You with me? He doesn't have favorites. How he distributes and does things with talents and abilities is a different thing. But having favorites and showing favoritism, he does not. Notice this in in, uh, Acts, the 10th chapter. And we'll begin reading in... um... Well, let me explain before we start reading. Peter is going to a group of people... That it is known among the Jews, they have this opinion that God doesn't care for them. And not only does God not care for them, or he does in some degree, but he likes us more. They had this opinion that these people I'm going to, that Peter was being sent to, are totally unclean in God's sight. So before Peter shows up, the Lord said, quit calling Uncommon and unclean that which I've cleansed. In other words, you need to take, change your opinion about how you see these people because God's opinion was different than their opinion. So he goes and shows up, and I mean supernaturally, God had to give him a vision had to get an angel to appear to a guy to send people, and then he goes there, and he's now about ready to share and been sharing with this family, relatives, and friends that he was invited to come speak, and the Lord told him to go because he wouldn't have gone otherwise because he would have thought, these guys are not favorites for sure. They're those unclean bunch. They're the unacceptable ones. They're the ones that God just won't do things for. They're the outside, we're the inside. As a matter of fact, this mentality was so strong in these people. God said this in Acts 1. The Lord did, said, You know, He said, Wait, you know, tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. You know, and then He said, Then He told him, He said, Once you get filled with the Holy Spirit and His power, He said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then He said, Go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. The uttermost parts of the earth. Well, if the, he said, wait till you get filled with the Spirit. Then in Acts 2, they are filled with the Spirit. This that we're looking at is now 10 years later. They have not obeyed God. They have gone to Jerusalem, Judea, and you know, certain areas. But they haven't gone to the uttermost parts of the earth. Why? That's where the Gentiles are. That's where the unfavorable people are. Those are the ones God doesn't like. Those that, are those dirty people. And God said, no. And they had this, and they had walked with the Lord, and they thought God showed personal favoritism. Wait a minute. So he has to have a vision to go, and so he goes. And he starts preaching, verse 34 of the 10th chapter. Then Peter opened up his mouth, and he's been sharing... And he's there going to tell them words by which they can be saved and their whole life can be changed. Said then Peter opened up his mouth. Now you understand man's opinion and God's opinions don't always jive. You know what I mean by that? Your opinion or my opinion doesn't always jive. Somebody said what's that? You got to go back to the 60s. Maybe not always in line. You know what I mean? They're not parallel. They're not working together. They're not on the same wavelength. Somebody's like, what's that? you got to go back to my favorite Martian in the 70s. So I'm getting closer. But they're not the same way of thought. You know, they're, and so they were, he was going, and uh, the Lord had already talked to him and stuff. And then all of a sudden he came to this realization. Then Peter opened up his mouth, and he's there to preach, but he makes this woe moment. He said, in truth, I perceive. We would do it like this. Maybe I was preaching something, or you were, get, you know, you'd been spending time, you, you were not seeing something, and all of a sudden, in your own life, you started seeing it. You know, a truth. And you went, oh, I'm getting it. Oh, Oh, I'm getting it. That's what's happening to him. He's like, oh, oh, I'm getting this. I mean, he just blurts it out in front of everybody. You ever said something in front of people that you wish you would have never said in front of them? That's blurted it out, and he's blurting it out. It's interesting what he blurts out. He said, then Peter opened up his mouth, and this... And think about it. He was going there to tell them things so they could be saved, filled with the Spirit, and walking God's best. And then he says this first. He opened up his mouth and he said, In truth, I perceive, I'm getting it, that God shows no partiality. He's there to preach to them and maybe up until this time, He's thinking, God is showing partiality. Because he said of a truth, he said, I'm getting this. I perceive. This is a revelation to me. God shows no partiality. He's been pushed into this situation. He's standing before him. They're hearing him. And he's come to the place... Where he's got nobody there like he's ever preached to before. These are all lost Gentiles. And everybody else he's been reaching have been Jews up until this time. And now, I mean maybe we could have this mentality too. Those, those people that are acting all wrong out there, playing the fool, acting like this, doing drugs, acting an idiot and stuff, I wonder what God would do for them. Same thing, no partiality. No partiality. He's not more partial to us. In this aspect, we're children, we have rights and privileges, but he doesn't show partiality. The reason we're children is we cooperated with something and received him. The reason we got filled with the Spirit is because we believe something accepted something. The reason we got an answer to prayer is not because He's partial, because He really has provided it for all humanity. But when our thinking, my thinking, or your thinking is wrong, how we approach things can be all messed up, and how He's approaching needs a new alignment. And He said, He said, He shows no Partiality, verse 35, but in every nation. So understand this. Why is it that people get things? Why is it that one gets it and another one doesn't? Why is it? Well, not only did he say God shows no partiality, but then he explains why People get it or don't. It's not. He basically was saying, this isn't partiality. This isn't something God is partial to do this for this one and that one and this other person. He just said, no, that's not it. He said, actually, here's the reason why. He said, but in every nation, whoever fears God or fears him, respects him, honors him, and works righteousness is accepted by him. And then he goes on to explain that it comes through Jesus in the very next verse. But he said the approach is, you got to fear or respect God. you got to obey God. And then primarily, he said the channel is through Jesus. It's the only way. But it's interesting. He said he shows no personal favoritism. And how many times have people thought that he shows favoritism to one another or to one person over another? And if I could get this favoritism, and some people just lay back and fall back and go, well, I can't get that. I can't can't walk in that because for some reason they were chosen. You know, there are just some things you go, well, I just can't cook food like that. They can, so I'll go out to eat there if I ever want to eat that thing. For some reason, they've got something nobody else has or can have. And that's not the truth. What it is is a lacking of knowledge. You know, and then you could make that same thing. Now, you may still choose not to, but once you get the knowledge, you can do it. It's not that they have something that nobody else has. You with me? And so, turn with me. Actually, we're right here. Let's read, let's read a little further on. Let's skip down. Acts 10 And we'll begin in 44. Peter's been preaching to him, And it said while Peter was still speaking these words, and it wasn't just what we said. He talked about Jesus being the only way. Jesus being the one who was uh, empowered by God to do miracles and do different things. And Savior of the world. And he went on and said this stuff. And it says right in the middle. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, in other words, these Jewish people that came with with Peter, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. They were blown away. Why? Because these people who they thought surely couldn't get something from God because somehow God shows personal favoritism, but not to them, are now getting something. And as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Notice, those people he said, whoa, I'm realizing God is not showing partiality to anybody. Here's a fact, God does not show partiality to one single person in this place. The same thing that will work for one will work for the other. And so he said, no favoritism. Then verse 36, he said, here's what they saw or experienced. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can anybody now forbid water, in other words, to be baptized, that these should not be baptized who have received the gift of the Holy Spirit just as we have. So think about it. They didn't, he's thinking, this goes much further. Uh, he's up there preaching. And all of a sudden these people start receiving. The power of God falls on them. And just out of the blue, they get, they get converted. They start speaking in tongues. And start speaking for things in their known tongue. Magnifying God. And they're just going off. And Peter is now like, whoa, obviously God showed no favoritism because they received the same gift we did in the same way we did as in the beginning. Then it went even further. Well, if God shows no personal favoritism, they're saved now, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, can we stop them now from being baptized in water? So they commanded, let's... Go baptize them in water. I mean, if God's not showing favoritism, who are we to stop them from moving forward and doing what needs to be done here? Let's go. I'm sure he was still gun-shy. That's probably why he had the witnesses, and there is a truth in that. But why is it that God just did that? Why? Do people have this kind of idea regularly? Is it ingrained in man that if anything good happens, it's because God showed partiality? He just came and went, wham. And then he was walking down the street and saw some people and said, I like what she's doing with her earrings there and her hair. Wham. Not too sure about the sandals. Catch you next week, maybe. Maybe. Now, he doesn't care what you're doing about your ears, so to speak, and your earrings. I mean, I'm sure he appreciates whatever, but whether you have sandals or no sandals, where you have a, whether somebody's got a needle in their arm injecting drugs or, or they're the one who's perfect at church every week, does he just go, I'm going to hit this one and not hit that one? Or does he show no favoritism and he'll do the same thing for any of them if, if they know? Here's the thing. We all know about lightning. Right? And uh, I have friends who live in the South. They probably are, know more about lightning. I'm originally from Southern California. So when lightning happened, we opened the living room window, not the window, but the blinds, and watched the lightning. It was like, oh, that's pretty. Here, depending where you're at, it's a little bit more intense. In the South, it can be brutal. It can get that way here, too. But I have had friends that were out playing tennis and uh, all of a sudden one of the guys' hair stood up and they knew. They just dropped their rackets and took off running and lightning struck. They avoided it. Lightning does strike. But can you do something to maybe make it strike you? If you don't know how to do it, it's windy. Lightning's out there. Get a kite. I learned this. Tie key on there, a big old metal key, and get that thing up there. Chances get better the higher up it goes. Somebody's like, Well, that'd be cool. We could maybe invent electricity. It's already been done, and they didn't invent it. Somebody's like, they didn't? No, it was already here. They learned how to channel it. That's what we're talking about, learning how to channel what's already there. And so people look at this story and they go, well, I wish this would happen again. It can, but you have to be purposeful. Somebody said, oh, if I could only be there when it happens. You can. Well, where is it going to happen? I'm going to show you. Turn to Acts 15. I believe that these thoughts of partiality are really ingrained in humanity, and it does hurt people. But thank God for the truth. And we can recognize God is not partial over those people over me. As a matter of fact, anybody who's received Christ, is, we're all elevated to the same place as accepted, loved, and we have the grace of God. The things we need in life are ours, are afforded to us. Acts 15, 7. Now, what had happened was there had been discussion now because here's these Gentiles that they were like, they're all coming in now, they're all getting saved, there miracles happening, people are getting filled with the Holy Spirit and all this stuff, and they're like, well, what do we make them do? Because, you know, we had all these rules as Jews and now they're coming in, what do we need to do? And they're trying to set up, what, what is it that's supposed to take place? And they really didn't put a bunch of rules on us like people are putting on people today. That's a side thought. I'm to keep to myself on that. If you come in this circle, I'll tell you, though, no. And, uh, but there are some things that people do require of people. And, uh, you know, there's even people now say, well, if you wear this prayer shawl, God will hear you. Buy it from us. No. Sorry, I'll just get back here. He, he, these guys were these guys were getting this without it <laughs> verse seven they're in the council of the church these are leaders Paul's there Paul's been preaching uh, you know Barnabas has been preaching different people have been preaching to the Gentiles have been getting saved they've been getting healed there's been all kinds of miracles happening and uh, so Peter gets up and and kind of becomes the voice of for the the jews you know because he was the one who introduced christ to these gentiles or was one of the first ones verse seven it says and when there had been much dispute so they had a meeting with disputing that's interesting peter rose up and said to them men and brethren you know what what is it they know? You know that a good while ago God shows among us that by my mouth the gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Notice what he said. They would hear and they would believe. Why did the Holy Spirit come on them and fill them? Why did they get saved? Because they heard something right. So does it matter what a person hears? You better believe it. The Bible said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So hearing the word and the right things can then cause faith to be put in you. And then my believing is like raising a lightning rod. I become the high point. I become the thing that God will strike, not in anger. But when my heart reaches out in faith, believing what he said, and if you'll notice here, he's about to give the reason why it went down the way it went down back there, that we don't have a reason. He just said, God shows no personal favoritism. But somebody said, well, they had that happen and we didn't. But he tells us why it did happen. He said, God shows that they would notice this, hear and believe. Well, we know believing is an issue of the heart, the core. You know, you can have a good attitude or a bad attitude, and without revelation or your face showing it, we would not know. But God sees behind your face. God looks at your heart. God sees what you accept, what you believe, your posture toward Him and toward His Word. And so he said, preach the gospel so they could hear the word, the good news, and then believe. So God, who knows the heart? He looked at their heart. He looked beyond their appearance. He looked beyond everything. And he looked where they were inside. What brought them to having a right heart? They heard something and they accepted it. They desired it. They said, I want that. That's for me internally. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go down this path. I'm going to take this truth to myself. They were believing it. They were embracing it. And so it says, so God who knows the hearts. A lot of times we know people's actions. Oh brother, I'm with you. Oh sister, I love you. But God looks beyond that. You see, and that's why people get fooled. They go, oh, God must favor them. No, he looks beyond all that. and He looks right inside. And what was it that he... I mean, and here's the thing. This story was sermon length. In other words, they got a sermon, and then this miracle of salvation and being filled with the Spirit happened. They accepted the word and grabbed it, and when they did, God moved right then. And this is what he did. So God, who's involved in services, but what's he looking for? Notice it says, who knows the heart, acknowledge them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us, and made no distinction between them and us. Because, see, they were thinking partiality. They're all here now, these Gentiles are on the outside of this meeting. These are all Jewish believers in this meeting. And he said, God showed no respect, and he gave them the Holy Spirit just like us. And why did he do it? He didn't, he's not partial toward people. They just accepted what God said at face value. And it says, therefore, he purified their hearts by faith. Man, they got saved. They got filled with the Spirit. And God was impartial. That's why I said it doesn't matter if somebody's got a needle in their arm. It doesn't matter if they're drunk. If they'll reach their heart out by the truth, they can get liberated. They can have a miracle. Somebody said, yeah, but this other person, they've, they've walked so hard and done so much. And, you know, they're this and they're that. And they haven't gotten it yet. Because you can't get things by the work of, works of the law that you can only get by faith. It just, you have to get it by faith. The major way that anybody will receive is through faith. Let's turn to Acts 14. I think we might, may. Uh, I was going to say we may close here. Maybe we won't. Acts 14. Because it's important for us to know that there are reasons why we get And don't get. Reasons why God will move and won't move. You with me? Reasons why. I could live with condemnation all my life and and God still loved me. And I could be convinced God loves me. But just feel condemned. Because I didn't hear the truth on the fact that he washed me in his blood. And then I believed it and made my stand. But when I believe it in my heart and then I acknowledge it, God will begin to move in that area no matter what the area is. And so here in Acts 14, I was right there before and I went way back. Acts 14. Here's another one where those people have ingrained into them some kind of mentality where they think if something's going to happen, it's just, and when it does happen... It was just God. He just, there's nothing you could do about it. It was just God who showed up, God who did it, God who moved. Whew. Here's the thing. There may be people, there are people across the United States and around the world that God dealt with them to get up and go to their church where they're associated today. And there are people here that God dealt with, and you made a choice, and you came. Other people, you didn't make a choice. You made a choice a long time ago, so you're just in the motion of doing it, which is great. But there are some people who are at that place of tilting one way or the other. Do I go or do I not go? They know God's dealing with them, and so if you're here, you answered right. Well, then you benefit from this. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't just God who dragged you out of bed. There was a response. So then now things come into your life. Now you can even take it further. And sometimes people think, well, you know, God just got them there and he didn't just get me there. No, we all make choices. And out of those choices and responses, God's able to do things. You with me? But people have these ideas that, man, I'd be there if God just had me there. But, but he tries. There's people like that all over the world, not just in the United States. That's not to be mean, but many times people have different ideas about things and how God works and how he will work or won't work. And if we could adjust them, we could be calculated and with some heart activity, not physical, believing heart, and see God do things in our life. Notice this in Acts 14, verse 8. And at Lystra, now this is Paul, Acts 14, 8. In Lystra a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked in his whole life. He's a cripple. This man heard Paul speaking. Remember, how did the people get the miracle at the other place? They heard the gospel and they believed it. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently, seeing that he had faith. The King James says, perceiving that he had faith, didn't Didn't the Lord look beyond the actions of those people sitting around and see their faith in their heart? He perceived they had faith. He acknowledged their heart. Well, Paul recognized that he had faith. Notice the man heard Paul speaking and Paul observing him intently, seeing that he had faith to be healed. How did this man get faith to be healed? How does faith come? It comes when you hear the Word of God. So if you hear that God makes you sick, is that going to give you faith? That God will heal you sometimes, sometimes He will, and sometimes He won't. What if you heard something like by His stripes uh, that Jesus took you, it was, healing was already paid for? That's what the Bible said. That He took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, and if you hear that, is it automatic, then, that you get a miracle? No, you must believe it. But notice this, that he had faith to be healed, so he, he said with a loud voice. So the man had faith to be healed, and he's not even healed. So that means somebody could have faith to be saved and not be saved. Somebody could have faith for an answered prayer and not have an answer to prayer. So what did Paul do? He wanted them to act as faith. And when he acted as faith, when he believed and, and responded in action, he got a miracle. Notices. Paul, observing him intently, seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, So he already possessed this faith of healing, but he yelled at him. Oh, now Paul's yelling. He said, Stand up straight on your feet. But the man had faith but wasn't healed, so he yelled at him, Stand up on your feet. Act on your faith. We would say today, act on what you believe. And he he told him exactly how to act. You believe you received the Holy Spirit? Begin to speak. But it's got to be the process of having faith, knowing what the Word says, accepting it. And then acting. And notice he said, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped up and walked. What are we talking about? Partiality. Wrong opinions of how God works. Notice this. This whole group of people had a total wrong opinion about how God worked. Now, when the people saw what Paul had done, now, did Paul do anything? Well, he preached the gospel. He perceived that the person had faith, and he yelled at them in that order hey stand up that's what Paul did the man did three things he heard he believed and he acted Paul did three things he preached he perceived and then he acted but he couldn't act for the man so that's really what happened and so that's what we want to target but all these people were missing it, the target, so it was probably a good shot that none of the other ones were going to get it because they were thinking God's partial. There's just, just God does. These God, this, this just stuff just happens. If, it's, if it does, it, it's nothing we can repeat. Notice what it says. Verse 11. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying, in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus. And Paul Hermes or Apollos or Mercury. And then it says, because he was the chief speaker. They're totally attributing this stuff to the wrong thing. If they could do it could we do it? Somebody said, oh, I'd never attribute it to Zeus or whatever. You know, I like that Neptune guy, you know, in the cartoons, you know, or in the movies with the thing and he gets to swim. But we would never attribute it. We, but, but how do we attribute it? Well, you know, those people, it's just God did some stuff and you just never know what the Lord's going to do. You just never know. Where is that verse in the Bible, by the way? Because I've been looking at for that one for a long time. You never know what the Lord's going to do. And these people totally came with the wrong approach, and they're just sitting there going, well, God had to do this, it had to be some big something, and, and they're all wrong. They're all wrong. Let me make a statement to you. We all have a part to play. There is a man who's long gone to be with the Lord. He went in the 40s and he had a, a sermon he preached. And there's parts of it, I think, in a book. And it's called Man and Miracles. The man's side and the God's side. Now, in the Bible, occasionally we just see miracles where it was just God. But the majority of times, faith is attributed. There's a manward side to it. Let's look over here. This, I believe, is where we will, we will end, or at least in these verses. Luke 20. What we need to do is do our part. Do our part with our lives when it comes to God. Do our part. Luke 20, verse 22. Now, you might think, ha. Um Where did I tell you? But I know. Let me see. We'll, we'll we'll do this. Let's go back to verse 21. Verse 21. So that's just one verse. These people came to trap Jesus, and it's interesting what they said. Then they asked him, saying, Teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly. They're setting him up. They're trying to trap him. And you do not show personal favoritism. Not even Jesus showed personal favoritism, and that was an observation by them. But you teach the way of God in truth. Here's where they wanted to trap him. He says, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Is it right to pay taxes or not? But he perceived, hey, we got a lot of perceiving going on. God perceiving their hearts. Paul perceiving, you know, his heart. And now we got Jesus perceiving their hearts. And then Jesus said it like this Why do you test me? Could you perceive that somebody, not by appearance, has certain things going on in them? Seems to be. Why do you test me? Show me a denarius, a denarius, you know, this coin, whose image and inscription does it have? So they had these just like us with a penny with Abraham Lincoln or George Washington on something and, you know, different ones. But notice this. And they answered him, well, Caesar's image. Verse 25. And he said to them, well, then, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's or that belong to God if you want God to do stuff in your life, isn't it true that if you want the world to do certain things, you cooperate with it, you render to Caesar the things that are Caesar, you work your work, you do your job, and you know that then there's a rendering unto you. Is that not true? You know, I mean, if you speed, then there could be a rendering unto you. You, what, what, you give out, you get back. We know that. I mean, if you invest in your family, if you neglect your kids, your kids will grow, grow up without, period. And you can pray all you want to. They'll just go without. Well, I'm just going to pray. You know, praying, that's important. Loving is important, too. What if God just said, well, I don't need to fellowship with you. I, I just, you will not do without. No, there are things people need. And if you don't get them, you, you, you do without. God can help us, don't get me wrong, and fix things, work. But still, you went without. But notice this. Somebody said, well, what's this got to do with what we've been talking about? Well, somebody said, well, there's that favoritism part. But notice what he said right at the end. He said, things that belong to Caesar, you got you to gotta do the world thing the way you got to do it. But he said, we also, if you belong to God... Render to God what belongs to God. If you really want God to do things in your life, you have to render to God what belongs to God. Somebody we said, say, well, what, what belongs to God? You, if you're saved. One reason why some people don't get out of their Christian walk what they should is they don't render to God what is His. They have their own life, And they live it their own way. They don't render it to God. And notice what he said. The things that are God's or belong to him, you render it to him. Didn't the Bible say the same measure you use when you give, you get back? Well, if I render my life to God, how much is that, 99%? It means though I render to Caesar, I still carry my Christian values to work with me. Whatever I do because my life belongs to Him, didn't the Bible say this when somebody gets saved that they're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise? It's the mark, you belong to God. You've got His image. You've been created new. You belong to Him. So don't worry about everything else. Render your life to God. If you will render it to God properly, wouldn't reading your Bible be part of rendering it? Right? Because if I read my Bible, I'm finding out from God what's going to happen. I'm rendering. I'm doing what he said. Then then faith is going to come in my heart then it's not going to be an accident that stuff's going to start happening because I'm rendering my life to him because God shows no personal favoritism. If I don't render it to him, what if I don't pay taxes? They will come, someone said. They will come. And it's not those guys that talk in an accent on the phone that tell you to go to Circle K and get gift cards. Somebody said, what are you talking about? The IRS broke that big thing, you know. People from India were calling. If you got a call, or are common, you know, they call and say, you owe us a bunch of money. Now, I'm not going to do an Indian accent. <laughs> I've been there, taught in a Bible school, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that right now. But they literally will call and say, oh, you owe money, and if you pay us this many amounts of money, then we'll let you off the hook. And they'll say, you know, then they'll say, go to Circle K. That's exactly what the IRS is going to do to you. you are going to tell you to go to Circle K and get gift cards or iTunes cards, and then give them the number. And lots of people got, bought those. I'm going to call you. If they called you and got away with it, I'm going to call you and get it to <laughs> Hello, this is the IRS. <laughs> but you got to render to the IRS what's his, right? Theirs. And then you benefit. You render in society, and it benefits you. You render in the kingdom what belongs to God. And really, didn't Jesus say it like this? If you'll seek to save your own life, you will lose it. But if you will just give your life and surrender it and render it unto me, he said, then you'll find it. Well, what will happen is faith will start getting in your heart. Stuff will start getting in you. Your life will change.